Hey dreamers, welcome to another episode of the Money Matters podcast. As coronavirus restrictions ease here in Australia, domestic travel is starting to feel a lot more real. In order to have a hopefully adventure-filled summer, we've decided to look at how to travel on a budget. From saving money to buying a ticket to getting the most out of your dollar and running into financial emergencies overseas, we're packing a lot into today's episode. Helping us pick up what we need to put down is social enterprise founder and ALF diversity ambassador, Ange Rowan. Welcome, Ange. Before we dive into everything, it's time for the win of the week. This week's winner is Renee. Renee has started her first Christmas casual position at Kiki K. She's been so excited to start work, but not been able to due to COVID restrictions in Melbourne. As soon as she could, she jumped onto Seek and started applying with a personalised cover letter and resume. Go, Renee! We love celebrating you on your big and small wins throughout your journey, so be sure to submit your money wins on the forum for your chance to be featured and to win extra points in the Dreamers Hub. And thank you so much for joining us today. I won't lie, I've had a little bit of a stalk of your Instagram and I am already such a loyal follower. You have such a vibrant online presence that the first thing I thought was, wow, this human must have some really good travel stories. Is travel something you've always enjoyed and been interested in? And how did you end up right here? Uh, hey, Maddie, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I've listened, listened to a couple of episodes and I, I love it. It's awesome for especially young people and um, dealing with money, which is something that I really sucked at at the start. But I think travel was something that made me realize how important it was. Um, In terms of travel and have I always enjoyed it, I think I've always loved discovering new people and places and have always um, been intrigued where people have come from and what languages they speak and what religions they follow and their values and beliefs. So um, I've always loved it in that sense, but I got to really dabble in it when I kind of turned 18. And then since then I've made a pact that um, I want to be able to travel as many countries as I am years old. So I'm currently sitting at 23 for 23. So it means that every year from now on, I have to hit a new country because I just love it a lot. That's so inspiring. How did you, how did your upbringing shape your sense of travel and adventure? And was it something your family did a lot or was it something you always just wanted to do independently? So dad worked a lot overseas. He worked in IT, so he was been flown quite a few places. Um, so My sister, older sister, got to travel a lot with him, but we didn't actually. We spent a lot of time in Vietnam visiting family. Um, And then we did a lot of road trips within Australia, like to Queensland and things. But in terms of traveling when I was younger, not a huge amount, but my older sisters both went traveling. And the sister that's immediately older than me, she took a massive gap year and went backpacking. And I think through those experiences and her photos and her stories, it was, I knew it was something I needed to do. And that's probably kind of where I jumped into it. Tell me about the very first trip you organised yourself. Where did you go? How did it go? What was it like? So my first trip, technically speaking, it was the the day I finished year 12 pretty much and we had speech night. I hopped on a a plane straight to the US and I was 17 at the time and I was meeting my sister and she was – um, on the back of her backpacking leg in Europe. So she was beating me in the US. So that was my first trip. She, it was kind of family was over there as well. So I didn't feel like my first trip, but my first, first trip um, was a year out of high school and I went for five months in the end. 
to, I actually bought a one-way ticket uh, on a whim, very spontaneously. It wasn't part of the plan, but I bought a one-way ticket to Amsterdam. And I said to myself, I will come back either when I run out of money or when I get into the course um, that I applied for for the year after. And whichever came first, which was what was going to determine when I would come home. And then I got the... um, I got into the course that I wanted in about, I think it was Jan. And then I was ended up being away for five months and I actually came back from Malaysia. So I had done a bit of a world tour in the five months time between um, and saw so many uh, parts of the world that I didn't, I didn't plan to see, but I'm a very spontaneous and adventurous traveler. Um, hence why I booked a one-way ticket and I booked about two days of accommodation. And before I knew it, even just in the first two weeks, I had already, all the things I said I probably wouldn't do just for safety reasons. I said I would never hitchhike. I said I would probably never couch surf. I said I probably would never miss a bus or a plane, all of those things I had done already in the two weeks. So it set me up for probably the one of the most adventurous and rewarding experiences of my whole entire life. Like I just met the best people learned a lot about myself and learned a lot about my, um, I guess, capabilities in the world to do really cool things. Out of the 23 countries that you visited, do you have a favourite one or one that um, you think gives you the best feeling when you think about it or or not even a favourite country, a favourite place that you visited maybe? Yeah, I think uh, San Sebastian always comes up only because... One, the place is awesome. Everyone, if you ever go to Spain, you have to go to San Sebastian. It's this tiny Basque country town on the um, on the coast. So there's a lot of surfers and really cool people on longboards and you just feel really cool, even though you're not or I'm not. <laughs> um, and the, the reason why I love San Sebastian not was um, not – it wasn't because of the place. It was because of how I got there and then how I ended up leaving. So to get to San Sebastian um, – the night before I was meant to be there, I wanted to go watch the World Surfing League that is normally here in Bells and I was it was going to be in Osago in France and it's once in a lifetime to follow the World Surfing League to where they go. So I was like, that would be really cool and it was a Sunday, which I didn't know, is a day that nothing runs. Top tip in Europe, on Sunday everything is closed, especially if you go rural and regional. So I got stuck there on the Sunday en route to San Sebastian. I got off the bus and I was like, oh my gosh, no one speaks English in this little tiny town and there is no internet and there is no bus running because uh, it's Sunday. And it was kind of like me trying to get from Geelong to Torquay. So I had this big kind of trip to get to and I didn't know how to get there and end up hitchhiking for the first time ever. And then uh, I got to Osago and then that night I was like, oh man, I got to actually get to San Sebastian tonight. And having buses not run again, the guys that dropped me off obviously were gone. So I said to myself, I either sleep at the beach tonight. That was one of my options. The other thing, other was to find a um, caravan park, which was all booked out. And the third option was to hitchhike. And if I couldn't hitchhike, I would sleep on the beach because it seemed safe, really unsafe. Don't do it. Um... I ended up standing outside for like three hours with my, like you see in Mr. Bean's holiday or something where you just stand out and you put your thumb out. And after probably about two hours, I was like, oh, if I don't get anything in the next, I don't know, half an hour, I'll probably just pack up and 
figure it out. On the very last car that stopped, there were these three girls and I said, uh, they would say, they said, where are you going? And I said, um, uh, Bayonne, which is a, a place that I could get a train to San Sebastian. And they were like, oh, damn, we're going to San Sebastian. And I was like, you're kidding. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah damn, sorry, we can't take you to Bayonne because we're going to San Sebastian. I was like, well, I actually need to go to San Sebastian in the end. And they're like, well, jump in. And so literally that's how I got to San Sebastian. I crossed the border from France to um, San Sebastian, hitchhiked there. And then I left San Sebastian, hitchhiked again, in a, and I crashed a, a motorhome that an Australian couple was was driving around. So they drove me around in their motorhome and then we kind of just left to Portugal. So it was just, San Sebastian, for that reason, is just one of the coolest places in my mind because, I don't know, it was just crazy in every, and that was only probably in 48 hours all of that happened. Wow. I've Am I right in thinking that San Sebastian has great food? I feel like I've yes. been told that San Sebastian, yeah, has great food. <laughs> yeah, really good food. San Sebastian, definitely a top. And then the secondary is uh, highly, highly recommend for everyone to do a trek in the Himalayas. That was, um, yeah, amazing. I um, I was listening while you were talking about hitchhiking and, and meeting people along your travels. And one of my favorite stories that I have is I was 15 years old when I first went overseas. I went overseas with my school. We had to raise money for our own trip and fund everything and plan everything ourselves. And we crashed a Vietnamese wedding. <laughs> um, in, in, um, I'm pretty sure we were in Ho Chi Minh City and we, I don't know how we ended up there, but somehow we met someone who invited us to this wedding. We had no idea what was going on. We were seated at this table. I think we were wearing like our hiking gear. Like I remember being in hiking boots at this Vietnamese wedding where we were sitting at this table eating the food, the dresses were magnificent and we were all sitting there dirty and sloppy and everyone was being really nice to us and giving us great food. But I don't know how we ended up there and I think that those are kind of the best stories that you have when you're travelling about these random things and people that you meet in places that you go to and you don't, you never know how you get there. <laughs> That's the best. I'm laughing because I'm Vietnamese, so I know exactly what a Vietnamese wedding looks like. And you would have been so strange to have there, but they would have just loved it. They were like, cool, Westerners. Exciting. <laughs> we have uh, we have some very funny photos of it, of us with the bride and groom, but I, I still don't know how we ended up there. I'm pretty sure we met someone at a shop and we said we were traveling. And they're like, come to our wedding. And I was like, okay, sure. So um, it was... It was definitely an experience that I will keep with me forever. Um, I love that. On the topic of traveling, because that's what we've got you here for, uh, particularly for a lot of our listeners who may be traveling for the first time independently, what are some lessons that you have learned firstly for planning a trip, but also for budgeting for it? I mean, your trips sound quite spontaneous, which I am definitely not a spontaneous traveler. I need every day booked in every hotel I'm staying at. I need to know what bus I'm taking, where I'm going. And I have it all in a nice little folder because that's the type of person that I am. But um, yeah, how do, how do you plan a trip? How do you budget for it? Especially when it's spontaneous. Yeah, no, that's, um, I think I get asked that quite a bit because as much as it's spontaneous, I think um, knowing what kind of travel you are can dictate kind of where you go and how you do it. 
I am spontaneous. However, I know that I am capable of figuring things out very well when I get there. So I'm really good at working under pressure or problem solving if I really need to when I'm there, if I get stuck. Whereas some people are complete opposite. Some people need that reassurance that if they get stuck, they have a plan B, C and D. Whereas my plan B is just knowing that I can get unstuck. So there's not actually a plan. But in terms of planning the trip itself, I, at minimum, I like to know exactly where I'm going and the first stop and exactly where I'm staying and then exactly how I'm going to get there. So at minimum for me, it's knowing, like, for example, my first trip was to Amsterdam. Um, I knew exactly what airport I was going to and I had booked in at least my first hostel. And this is for spontaneous people or as well or or, or um, people that like to plan is to know exactly where you're going to be in the first spot and exactly how to get there. Because although on paper it looks really easy, sometimes being in a new foreign country, it's actually a lot harder than it looks. Because for example, we're all comfortable getting from say where we live to the city because on paper or on Google Maps, it says one train and one tram and it's very simple. Um, but if you put in a little bit of extra effort, I think to really figure out how you're going to get there, your first day is not so traumatic because I've had days where I'm like, oh, I really should have looked up because buses look different, trains look different, their um, platforms look different and it can get really confusing. Um, and the other thing is um, understanding a budget or creating a budget for yourself. Um, I think being realistic with the budget is always helpful and talking to people is very helpful. I like to talk to people to get a gauge of where they love to go because Google's awesome, but Google doesn't know you. Whereas your friends, if you ask them, they know you. So they can recommend things that they think you will like really well, um, even though they may not have liked. For example, if I go to the US, a lot of my friends will give me hiking trails, um, outdoor activities to do, even though they might not do it, but they know, but they've done it and they know me to be like, this is what you will love. Because Google um, can't really tailor their recommendations or anything to you. So asking friends and family is my top, one of my top, top tips. Um, it can really narrow it down and make your planning really easy. I literally just said the top 10 places that people kept telling me to go to, I'll go to. And without question, I didn't need to look too much further into it. I was just like, if I trust you wholeheartedly and I'll, I'll go there. Um, and then I guess in terms of planning is planning logistically all of your uh, paperwork and documentation. So really understanding if you need a visa, that's one of the main things and getting your visas done early. For example, China takes a while if you want to get a Chinese visa. Um, if you want to get European visas, you can normally get them on the spot. Um, and American visas, you apply for an ESTA, which is normally, it can take like 24 hours and you can do that online. So understanding where and when you have to get your visa is really important. And then all the other stuff is um, stuff that, won't uh, dictate whether or not you actually get over there. So visas are really important because if you don't have one, you can't get over there. And same with passport. Um, insurance I highly recommend too and having a really good uh, budget for yourself. That's realistic as well. So in terms of planning, that's where I go. So passport, always make sure you have one of those and don't do what I did, which was lose my passport and realize that you've lost it 48 hours before you leave to go overseas and then have to stand in line at a passport office for 12 hours the day before you go and, you know, fake oh, cry no. so you can get your passport done <laughs> the day before you go. It was always know where your passport is. 
basically. Always, always. 100%. Those are like, those are the things that will actually stop you going. Everything else, um, don't stress too much because all of the other stuff is figure outable. Um, that's my thing. All the stuff that you really, really, really need that is going to stop you going, make sure you have them. Um, and always talk to your friends and family and your parents always know they've traveled a lot in their lifetime. So they'll always know what you need. Um, they're probably your best friends when it, when you're planning your first trip ever. There are so many amazing places in the world to visit both in Australia and internationally, and it can become quite overwhelming, I guess, trying to fit it all in. And, and in your experience, I guess, is it better to do short trips and see a little or longer ones and see a lot? I guess it depends on a lot of different factors. What advice do you have for people who are unsure which side they fall on and which country to start in? Yeah, I think, um, like I said before, understanding what kind of traveler you are is a good idea to, um, be like, okay, do I, am I someone that needs, uh, am I a spontaneous person an adventurous person or do I need structure? And then also how much time you actually have, um, how much time you actually have and how much money you actually have can dictate it as well. So for example, if you've got, um, a decent amount of money, but you want to go for a long time and you have a long time, then maybe try Asia because you could probably make your money last a bit longer in Asia. If you're someone that um, doesn't have as much um, and want to go for a long time, Asia is a really good idea too. If you go to say, if you book a flight to Europe, you would probably say, if I'm going to spend that much time to get there, I probably want to spend a decent amount of time there. And then other places, shorter ones, I normally stick to if I go to just one country. If I just want to explore one country and it's quite a small country, then I'll say, that's cool, two weeks is cool, um, and that's enough for me to see it. The other reasons why I might go for shorter trips is um, if I've already been there before. If I've already been there before and it's just a place that I want to revisit because I love it, I'll probably opt for a smaller trip. But really, I don't think um, you should put a cap on how long or short any trip can be because a trip in itself is so valuable no matter what, no matter how long or short you go for. But um, just figure out, how much money you have and how much time you have. Don't think about what's more valuable or less valuable or if you're going to get the most out of it or not because, honestly, you'll probably uh, see later when you're there that no matter what is trips or or travelling and learning is always so valuable. So, yeah, money and time. Something I tend to always forget when I go traveling is the conversion rate. You can save up a lot of Australian dollars, for example, and then have that literally split in half, depending on where you go, especially if you go to somewhere like London or England. Um, when you arrive and, you know, the, the dollar there is so much higher or, or, or whatever that might be. In your experience, how have you managed your daily expenses when you're overseas? And what are some tips our listeners should remember when going somewhere new and wanting to try it all out without ruining their savings or, or running out of money, I guess, when they're overseas. Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm not a money person, right? And I think as a young person or when I was traveling, um, no one really speaks to you about money and how to manage it and what you're meant to do. So you kind of just go over there blind and a lot of people are giving you um, lump sums of money that you need to get here. Like I heard a lot, you're going to need a minimum of 10,000 if you're going to go to Europe. You're going to need a minimum of 5,000 if you're going to do this. And um, But that's through their experiences. Um, I travel very differently and the best things that I learned through my own travels is having a budget book 
was probably one of the best things I've done. I've actually shared my budget book from my trip to other people for them to like flick through and gauge how much it might cost them because costing of daily living is very different country to country. So here we may be able to get a bottle of milk for two and a half dollars. You may be able to get a tub of yogurt in Czech Republic for 90 cents, but we don't know that. And so I only use my phone. There's a lot of budgeting apps now on your phone as well. So if you're a more of an app kind of person, definitely try that. But whatever you do, just figure out a way that you can document your spending. And how I did that was a little red book. And every time I spent any money whatsoever, I'd write it down for the day and I'd tally it up at the end of the day and see how much I spent. And then through the first couple of days, you can gauge how much you can probably budget from a daily budget. So I think when I was in Europe, I ended up being like, you know what, something like 40 euro a day budget is actually very feasible and realistic to achieve. So when you create your goals for your budgeting, make sure it's realistic for how you travel. Um, And also what cost of living is like over there. Um, Definitely, yeah, so definitely budget book. The other thing is a Citibank card. This is a really specific tip, but a Citibank card was the best thing I've ever discovered and I still love. Um, it means that you, Citibank card allows you to have free um, transactions without transaction fees and without withdrawal fees and without conversion fees. And a lot of the cards around the world will have fees for all three of them and they add up if you think about how many times in each country you have to withdraw money, um, Citibank uh, means you can travel without all those fees. So look into that for sure. It's free to open an account with Citibank. The other thing I loved doing was, or the top tip that I got from my parents was to bring US dollars in currency in cash as an, as an emergency thing um, because US currency is the easiest thing to Uh, swap or change in terms of currency changing in all countries. Australia, by the time you get to your sixth country, no one's probably going to have as good currency exchange rates for Australian currency than they do for the US. So that was something that was really valuable too. Um, And then I guess in terms of your question of being able to see all the things that you want to see within the budget that you have is to look into the places because more often than not, then all, a lot of the tourist places have days where they're free entry. So in Rome, I know that there were days, it was the last Sunday of every month, it was free entry for the whole, um, everything. The Colosseum, the Roman Forum, um, all of it was free entry on Sunday, um, the last Sunday of every month. That's probably changed. But um, the Louvre I got in for free because on, uh, I think, Uh, every second Sunday or something, it was free. So have a look into that. And the best way to figure that out is to talk to the people at your hotel or your hostel, because they always know. Um, It's all these local secrets that they all know that we don't know as tourists, but you can get into a lot of the touristy and expensive places by doing it that way. And we're still within your budget. Oh my God, I wish I knew all of that before I went to Europe a number of years ago, because I think the amount that I spent on those tourist attractions was... um, was insane. But I did learn, I think it was my hostel manager told me that the Anne Frank 
house in um, Amsterdam, there was a way to skip the line. And so I did learn little bits like that because obviously places like Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam or the Louvre have crazy long wait periods and you can end up waiting nearly the entire day to get into them. So in the same way that that you mentioned that there's ways to go in for free, um, always ask your, your people that you're traveling with or the locals around if there's a way to skip queues, because that's also, I find that, you know, time is money is what they say. Um, Definitely. Yeah, to, to try and get into all of those attractions. It's just, you want to find a way to get in without waiting and spending your entire day in a line, I think. And the other thing is as much as you or I travel alone, um, living in a hostel, you get exposed to a lot of also solo travellers. And a lot of the time we were cutting costs by developing groups of friends and then just splitting costs and say if we need to do a taxi ride somewhere or if we wanted to all pull into something, um, we split a lot of the costs. Even food and dinner and stuff, we just split a lot of costs. So you can do really awesome things still on a budget. It just depends on how smart you want to be with how you get there. I think the best people I've met, I've met while traveling and it does mean, and I'm sure you have this as well, that now you know people all over the world. So if you want to go and visit a country, you have a couch to stay on and it's a much better money saver than spending money on a hotel or a hostel or, or camping. Cause you just go and sleep on the couch and then you get a shower and sometimes they feed you as well, which yes. is a benefit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so if you had to give, um, your top three tips of things that you've learned and mistakes that you've made along the way, what are your top three tips to some of our listeners on, um, their next holiday, whether that be in Australia because of obviously coronavirus restrictions, and we don't know where we might be able to, to leave our own country next. So whether that is in Australia or when they next go overseas, yeah. What are the top three things you've learned along the way? I think one of the top things I learned is, um, Uh, People are better than you think. I think everyone sometimes when they travel are very scared of the world. Like someone's people are always out to get you. But I experienced the complete opposite. Every single person I met took me in um, because I was a young traveler and they made sure I was okay. They made sure I was looked after. So trust the world a little bit more and it might mean that your experience is a little bit more freeing. It means that you might be doing or you might find that you do things that are a little bit more adventurous that you may have originally think thought. Um, so, yeah, trust the world. Um, that's one thing. And then two, the second thing is um, I think the other thing that young people think is that there's no way out if I ever get stuck. So they forget that like when I before I went to Europe, I didn't th- I didn't think they had things like ATMs and Wi-Fi. And I genuinely was like, this place, these places have nothing that Australia does. And then you go over there and you realise any um, kind of troubleshooting that you would do here, you could do everywhere everywhere in the world. If you really needed to call an emergency number, you can do that. If you really needed to find Wi-Fi, you can do that. There's somewhere you need. If you really needed to get money from home, you can do that. So don't ever feel like you'll be stuck forever. Um, and then I guess it gives you a bit more stress-free living and traveling. And the other thing is actually I have two more things. One is the Citibank card. Please look into that <laughs> or find a card that is really good for, um, spending without a lot of fees. I think fees can really, really add up, especially when you're traveling on a budget. And then I think the last one is don't be afraid to look in your own backyard. So um, back to being in Australia in lockdown, I think people are really sad. They can't travel. But I think the best thing that came out of it is that we can't travel because I've always wanted to see Australia 
and I'm now so motivated to just jump in a car, get a van, go to caravan parks and just get to see Australia because the whole world wants to see Australia except for Australians for some odd reason. I think it's because it's so close and it's so easy. We try to push it back. But, yeah, travelling doesn't have to always be overseas. There's so much that we can see within Australia as well. So um, think about more about the experience than, than a, um, a thing that you can brag about. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Ange. I've had so much fun and I'm going to – the first thing I'm going to do when I get off this podcast today is actually go and find those – photos and videos from the wedding that I went to back in Vietnam in 2008 (laughs) and try and pull them out and try and relive that. Um, If any of our listeners want to follow along with your adventures, where can they find you? Um, My my Instagram is um, angefoot, A-N-G underscore foot, F-O-O-T. But I actually wrote a blog um, that I'll probably just put on the Instagram so it's easier to find. I wrote blogs throughout my whole trips, all of them, and they were very, very um, conversational and literally it was just like dear diaries. But now that I read them back, I was like, I'm so glad because I documented my hitchhiking, I documented my couch surfing, I documented my spontaneous traveling. And I think looking back at it, I was like, I can't believe I did all those things as a 17, 18 year old around the world. So you can find me there. Um, or I can leave my email and um, or number. I'm very easy. I'm very open. I'm very findable. Thank- it's really bad. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great for this kind of stuff. Thank you so much. I've had so much fun. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Now it's time for Dreamer Diaries. Each week, we'll follow James and Julie, two young carers on a journey to own their finances. James and his friends decide to celebrate the end of a stressful month with a weekend away. Only problem is, James has been saving for a new laptop and doesn't have much cash to spare for his trip. His friends gather together and work out what they are all comfortable spending for two nights away and come to the conclusion that $250 is their max limit each. After doing some research of local Airbnbs and hotels, they discuss what kinds of activities they'd like to do what kind of trip they'd like and where they could go and enjoy themselves. They agree that camping is the way to go. They can carpool together and save on fuel costs, get to the small beachside town within a few hours and save money on accommodation by camping at the local trailer and camping park. Being close to the beach means they won't have to rush to go swimming and can enjoy various hikes and local cafes in the area when they don't feel like cooking their own dinner on site. Including the fuel costs, accommodation and food, The trip comes to $200 each as they all split everything together and James has an extra $50 to spare if anything comes up. Julie and her best friend decide to travel to Europe during their next holiday break. Neither one of them has been before and they've always dreamed of going together. Both of them have part-time jobs, but with an array of expenses and responsibilities between them, they know they will have to budget carefully. They decide they want to have a relaxing holiday filled with lots of hikes, beach swims and food. Because they are going during peak holiday season, they decide to limit the amount of countries they'll visit so that they can get the most out of the trip and save on some money. They decide that they want to travel to Greece, Italy and Spain. They get together to work out how much money they will need in order to travel comfortably and return home with enough savings to get back into their daily routines. 
After talking to a travel agency, they realised they will need roughly $9,000 total between the two of them and decide to get started by identifying the key expenses. They budget $900 for flights each, $3,500 for daily expenses, including food, travel and activities, $200 for travel insurance, $3,000 for accommodation and $500 in emergency money. With $4,000 saved already, they work out how much they need to save weekly and start moving their money into a secure travel account to pay for things as they go. That's it for this episode. This week, I challenge you to look at a local town or city in your state and have some fun exploring online what's there and what you'd like to do. If one thing makes you really excited, have a go at costing up a few nights stay. How much do you need for accommodation, food, travel, etc.? Remember, you can share your progress with us in the forums on the Dreamers Hub. Bye for now. Bye for now.